0: Welcome to the Ditching Perfection podcast, a podcast that will help you pursue wholeness in Jesus rather than trying to have it all together. I'm your host, Carly Bartlett, and along the way, we're going to have some raw conversations and share some practical tips that will remind you to throw some confetti and celebrate yourself. Your inner critic does not have to be the dominant voice in your life anymore. Oh, you guys, I struggle with making decisions. I struggle with even picking a restaurant to eat on a Friday night. You know what I mean? I'm like oh my goodness, all of a sudden I cannot decide if I want Olive Garden or if I want Chick-fil-A. And then I'm like, oh wait, but oh, I love chips and salsa. So maybe we should do that. And then I just can't decide. Yeah, so maybe you feel that way. And so knowing that I can't even decide what kind of restaurant to eat at on a Friday night, then when it comes to like big life decisions that impact my future, my family, I mean, it's a whole thing. I just have a very, very hard time making decisions. And thank goodness for my husband, who is way more even keeled than me, and he can help me make decisions and walk me through it in a much more rational way where I can get emotionally charged with it all. I can get very easily overwhelmed. So today, if you resonate with any of those things, this podcast, I think will be incredibly helpful for you because I think it is so easy for us to get stuck in overanalyzing or fear of the unknown or trying to balance all of the opinions of people who care about us. And really even people with the best of intentions may make our decision-making process all the more difficult, especially for those of us that struggle with people-pleasing. So on the podcast today, you're going to hear a conversation that I had recently with my friend Sheena Marquis, and she's here to share from her own personal experience about hearing God's voice in times of decision-making and how to honor the voices of others, but ultimately how to discern where God is leading. And she also shares with us about practices that have helped her as she has taken steps to follow God, even into the unknown. And she shares that sometimes one of the best best practices that we can do is to do the next right thing and so oh my goodness there's so much here but also there's some frozen vibes going on here right into the unknown is the elsa song just like reverberating in your head yes yes and then also on a song to do the next right thing ah love it yeah, Frozen 1 or Frozen 2, you guys. What do you like better? Oh, I don't know. It's a toss-up. Maybe I should do a little poll on my Instagram this week. Maybe I will. Watch out for that. But anyhow, as we dive into this really important conversation about making tough decisions and about stepping into the unknown, I want to introduce you to my friend, Sheena. She and I got connected through the Women's Speaker Collective, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to connect with so many friends who are serving and leading in many different ways. There are women speakers and CEOs. There are pastors and podcasters and authors. And the Women Speakers Collective has just been a gift to me and to many others because I've gotten to meet and have new friends that are cheering me on and I get to cheer on as well. And one of those friends is Sheena Marquis. She's a former pastor, a current social worker and an aspiring counselor who's passionate about people finding hope and healing for their minds, their bodies and spirits. Sheena is also an amazing, well-rounded person, you guys. She is a writer, she's a speaker, she's a singer and she just really has a heart to serve God with all that she is. And you will hear that today. She lives in Dallas, Texas with her husband and precious six-year-old son. And she also has an American white shepherd who makes makes uh, makes an appearance in the episode, if you're watching on video, and also a mini golden doodle. So she and I have that in common with our love of doodles. Well, with all of that said, let's dive into this incredible conversation with my friend, Sheena Marquis.
1: Hi, Sheena. Welcome to the Ditching Perfection Podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm
0: so glad you're here. This has been a long time coming. I know. We've been talking about this for a while, so I'm just thrilled you're here. And It is like the kickoff to summer, so I'm curious, before we dive into all the other stuff, what is on your
1: summer bucket list? Oh, summer bucket list. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. Summer bucket list. Um, well, okay. So my son's birthday is coming up. He, Ooh, was, yeah. he was a summer kid. So um, we're having his birthday party, but I'm actually taking the day off and we have always had a donut for his birthday. Uh-huh. So like every like for his first birthday he had like a raspberry sprinkle donut so our my mission one of my goals this summer is to find a good donut place in the city where we live okay Like um, maybe that's not everyone else's summer goal because they probably want to look good in their swimsuit but I want to eat a good donut so <laughs> hey
0: I love donuts we just went to this donut place this weekend and it's like the way to describe it is like it's subway for donuts so you go through okay. and they like make it like warm right there they pull it out of the fryer and then you choose all the frostings and toppings you want Oh boy okay (laughs) oh my word it is so good so I'm with you in the donuts okay (laughs) love it well that's great I love that and that's a fun tradition too
1: yes yeah
0: very fun good okay so summer bucket list aside I would love for you just to share who you are and introduce yourself to our listeners and what God's been doing in your world lately
1: yeah of course So I'm Sheena. I am married. uh, Been married for eleven years. This past New Year's Eve, Um, I have one son who's six. He'll be six in a couple weeks, and two dogs. So you might see them like (laughs) running around in the background because they like to be wherever we are.
0: Love it. Um,
1: Yes, and we live now in Dallas, Texas. We actually moved home over the holiday season. Um, after serving um, as officers in the Salvation Army. Mm -hmm. And so now we're home. We just felt like the Lord was calling us um, to like a static, stable community. So that's what brought us this way. We have a lot of friends in our church here and my family's here. And um, so, yeah, just like in this new season of life where um, we're seeing what God has in store for us and it's not planned and it's like, Um, kind of terrifying, but also really exciting and um, rewarding as well. I guess just having the opportunity to be able to trust God more. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So where were you guys serving with the Salvation Army?
1: So we served in the state of Florida. We had two uh, appointments there. So we were in um, the Jacksonville, Florida area, which is kind of Northeast Florida and then our most recent appointment, um, that, which is where we moved from, was in Stewart, Florida. So if you've ever been like on the, um, Southeast coast, um, okay. between like West Palm beach and Vero beach, okay. um, a so really small, um, town, beach town, but you had everything there as well and kind of close to the bigger cities, but yeah, we got to serve in those two locations, um, three years in the first one and four in the last. So, Dang.
0: yeah. Yeah. And were you and your husband serving together?
1: Yes. yes. So yeah, that's um, one of the great things about Salvation Army ministry is that it's like a family ministry. And so we were we were both the pastors. So we got to share in the preaching and pastoral ministry, and then also overseeing um, our social service ministries. Of course, you know, Salvation Army is most known for like the food pantries or the shelters or the outreach to the community. And so we got mm-hmm. to do both of those together.
0: Oh, that's really great. That's cool. Yeah. So knowing that, And the emphasis that the Salvation Army has on, on making sure that we're aware of giving to the poor and food pantries, like you just mentioned, how did that shape your heart for people on the margins? Yes.
1: Yes. Um, so, well, part of my story is that, you know, my family, we are beneficiaries of the Salvation Army. So Mm. my family, you know, I actually came to the Salvation Army Church by living in the shelter first as a little girl. Um, and so having that as a part of my testimony, as well as being able to serve, you know, even as a young person, being able to help with like the angel tree ministry of, you know, people Mm. who are needing or children who are needing like new clothing and toys for Christmas and um, even doing like overseas missions and, um, just being able to see some of the need and, um, what we're able to support. So, yeah, just, I guess, widening, uh, my horizons and keeping my eyes open to the fact that, you know, there are people who, and, you know, for us as well, that, that was our testimony that people mm-hmm. who don't have as much as, um, as others. And, you know, the Lord calls us to, um, to be his hands and feet and to love the the least of these and, you know, if you have two cloaks, you know, you got, you got to help. You got to, um, to, to share and to love others. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, definitely the heart of the the mission and ministry.
0: Mm-hmm. That is so great. I love that. And for people listening that are going, okay, I'm in my community. I don't know where to start. I feel like I want to follow Jesus's call to, to love people in my community. But how, what would you say? What, what advice would you have?
1: Yeah.
2: I, I think
1: one of the, maybe, I don't know, fear inducing things about serving is that we think it has to look a certain way or that it has to be this like huge monumental thing, but there are people already right now within your life that, you know, you might not even know, have a need or have some, have a story that's going on. So I think just being aware and getting to know the people in your sphere of influence that you already have whether that be people at work or like you know kids you might go to school with i'm not sure but like they're yeah i just think um being actively a part of people's lives and and listening for stories and uh, maybe not even asking but just being present enough so that they feel comfortable to share those stories like Mm. i think opportunities will present themselves where you know god um allows us and um, equips us and helps us to step in, um, to be able to serve those around us.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because so often I feel like we have this pressure to do and Mm -hmm. like, you know, do, 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 check things off. But oftentimes it's the ministry of presence and being that then God invites us into these stories where we become inner, our lives become intertwined with others because we are present.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the ministry of Jesus. Like, if you think about it, you know, yes. he's, you know, was spending time with people and they would bring their, their issues, you know, to him. I th- I'm trying to think, I think it was Matthew chapter four, I think is the one where, you know, he crosses the the lake of Lake Geraset, I believe, um, to intentionally go after the, the man who was possessed by the legion of demons, but otherwise like it's in the course of his life, you know, he's there and he's just spending time with people and, teaching them about the kingdom of God. And because he's there, because he's present, like people are like bringing those who need to be healed or, Mm -hmm. you know, presenting their issues to him that he's able to, um, yeah, to just like speak in and and bring healing. So Mm -hmm. I think just seeing the example of Jesus, you know, right. Right. And in this season of your life, you
0: have had a big transition and God is, God is inviting you into a different kind of being present for people. Mm -hmm. And so what is, tell us what your transition in this season's like and and how that's impacted you and your faith journey.
1: Yeah. Um, So of course, you know, talked about being officers in the Salvation Army, being pastors. And so um, moving home, you know, we resigned from those positions. Um, We weren't going to be able to continue in those ministries, you know, having, because as a Salvation Army officer, you know, they ask you to move every probably three to five years to a new location. And um, so to make the choice to to be in a community or to follow where we felt like the Lord was leading us, you know, we had to, you know, step away from those positions. And, um, and so just taking a big leap of faith of moving and hoping that the Lord would provide um, exactly, I guess, roles that he had for us. And mm-hmm. that would, um, that we'd be able to use like our passion and our skill and our talent And so for me, I'm working at a hospital right now as a social worker. Um, And one of the ways that the Lord has really surprised and blessed me, and I didn't, I should have known this because, you know, like when you go into an interview, you are supposed to research the place that you're interviewing for. At least that's what I like to do. So I did, like I went and I learned about their history um But then in her first uh, orientation meeting, like they start off by saying, like this is a nonprofit, faith-based hospital. Like we are Christian in nature. Like um, we start every day with a devotional and with prayer. Um, and so that right there was just so affirming for me because I had this fear of like leaving pastoral ministry. What was that going to look like? Um, mm-hmm. Being a social worker and you know maybe going into like a a, a secular role where you know, maybe my ability to share my faith or to pray with others would be limited, Um, but God just provided like the the right place and the right um, role. And so, you know, I'm privileged now where I get to be in a hospital setting and people are in crisis and, you know, I get to be, have that ministry of presence of listening Mm -hmm. to their stories. And if they need resources, if they need support, um, I get to help them, um, empower them to be able to find that as well. And um, so that's been really, wonderful. And then recently, um, the Lord provided an opportunity for me to even pursue, um, counseling. (laughs) So I have my graduate uh, degree in political social work and have, um, always wanted to do, you know, counseling. And, um, I actually had a biblical Christian counselor when I was in Florida Mm -hmm. and I thought, I didn't even know this was a thing. Like I would Mm -hmm. love to be able to do that. Um, and so anyway, long story short, I got connected to someone who has a Christian practice. She's a clinical social worker, does supervision. And I, yeah, just recently got hired as an independent contracted therapist. And so I'm going to be starting to see, you know, um, clients soon going to be able to offer, yeah, hope and healing from a Christian perspective. And, Mm. um, I'm very excited about that. And, you know, something that the Lord, I feel like put on my heart and he's now opening the doors and making that, that possible. So that's wonderful.
0: Yes. And we have talked a lot on the podcast about the gift of counseling and Mm -hmm. I have benefited from counseling. I've gone to counseling for many years. I'm so thankful. And many of my friends that have been on have gone to counseling and I'm so grateful for people like you that are counselors. And I'm grateful for the fact that it feels like culturally and in the church, there's been a shift with counseling that it doesn't seem like, you know, oh my goodness it's such a weakness to go to counseling. Like Mm -hmm. it's now seen as a sign of strength to go. And I'm so grateful for that. And like I said, grateful for my counselor, grateful for people like you, but I do wonder as you are in social work and counseling, how do you care well for yourself Mm -hmm. in, in your profession?
1: Yes. So, you know, as a counselor, we are proponents of that. So um, as I mentioned, like I, you know, had a counselor that I saw when I was in in Florida. And so part of the process, of course, I have a, a supervisor Well, I'll be able to kind of um, talk about the different, you know, clients and caseloads that I have. But also, um, and that's like a little a checkbox for me is I need to be able to find a counselor here now that I'm here, because mm-hmm. there's going to be things that, you know, my clients might bring up that could be triggering for me that might be something that is reflective of something that's happened in my story or in my past. And so being able to care for myself well, but then also, um, having the balance of as, as an independent contracted therapist, like I get to set my own schedule. And so being very conscious of the fact that like, I do work, you know, at eight to four o'clock job. And mm-hmm. so, you know i'm going to be limiting myself to how many people i can see a week because i want to be able to have dinner with my family and i want to be able to like read stories to my kid at night and i want weekends to be for family so like being very strategic um and one of the blessings is that the supervisor that i have is you know very much about work life balance and so she's allowing us to create our own schedules so that we can do that and um so
0: yeah that's great yeah. yes that work life balance i feel like it's this This goal that we all have and it's, it's flexible, like, and it, and it's, it has to shift in different seasons with the needs with your kids or your, what's going on with your family. I mean, it's, and what's going on with you and truly too, what's going on in the world, you know, Um, because I'm, I know like during COVID and probably even more, you probably know more than I do, but the need for mental health resourcing Mm -hmm. and counselors was so high. And oh, so yes. counselors are, I'm sure, trying to figure out how to balance yeah. meeting needs, but also caring for self. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, there's a lot, a lot to that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So going back a little bit, when you, um, when you talked about resigning from your role as a Salvation Army officer and all that you knew, I mean, you had been in that role for a long time. It was probably somewhat comfortable and and your identity, you were known as a Salvation Army oh, officer. Sure. So talk to us about what it was like to go through the process of discerning
1: mm-hmm. that it
0: was time to resign. And then what that was also, what maybe you went through in that resigning process.
1: Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um. So we actually, um, so we wrote a letter of resignation, I think early in 2021, Um, and then we decided, well, no, like, we don't feel like this is the right time. Like we, we had peace about the decision, but not about the timing. Um, and so we ended up staying for, I think another year, um, and, um, through that year, um, and just continuing to be faithful, like in the role, um, we felt like, um, the Lord eventually provided the right time for us. Mm -hmm. And I think there was also a lot of wrestling with, um, you know, we felt like the Lord was calling us to community and to stability, but we also knew that the Lord had called us to be, you know, officers. And, um, there's like, there's different, I guess, schools of thought and, um, yeah, well, (laughs) there's different schools of thought as to, as to, you know, we've had people who, when we presented our, um, just where we were at in our decision and where we felt like the Lord was leading us and why we're staying or why we were going. We had different people with different opinions, of course, you know, um, some people who believe, you know, that officership is like ministry is a lifelong call and, you know, to walk away from that is to walk away from the will of the Lord. And then we had others were saying, well, you know, like we can't limit the Lord and put him in a box and say, if God has acted this way once, like that's the way he's going to continue to act. And so, for us, it was like wrestling and trying to figure out, you know, what does the Lord have for us? Like, yes, we have other people who are speaking into us from their own experience and from what other people are saying, but ultimately, um, trying to, yeah, it's just like weed out, uh, what the voice of the Lord was telling to us. So, um, eventually I think my husband had been offered a position and it was here and it was for something that, um, and it still, is something that is like capitalizing on all of his gifts and the things that he's passionate about. And I think for us, like that was uh, provision
2: <laughs> and yeah. we
1: felt like peace about that. Um, even if I didn't have a job, which was really, really scary <laughs> for me. Yeah. Um, but we just felt like when that happened, like that was the right time and, you know, things just continued to happen. So, um, but then even as we, we're leaving and we resigned i guess officially for the second time um just having a lot of like um maybe some like shame and guilt of like leaving and not being able to like stick it out in ministry and you know were we being selfish for leaving you know to try to provide something different for our son some stability and um you know if other people are able to kind of hack it out there and and be, um, away from their loved ones and, um, in a place that can be really lonely at times, mm-hmm. you know, what was different about us and were we being selfish? And there was just a lot of wrestling, a lot of emotions. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, we just felt like this is what the Lord had for us. And, you know, as I said, he's continued to open the doors and affirm that and mm-hmm. have people come to us, um, who were even just like prophetically saying like, you know, we're so proud that, um, you heard the Lord's voice. <laughs> and um, Your dog, love it. I mean, I just,
0: I mean uh, for people listening on audio, not on video, <laughs> I, I wasn't saying the voice of the dog was prophetic. <laughs> dog just came to her Zoom screen. So, yes. anyway.
1: <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so we just, um, yeah, the Lord has just continued to show and affirm, um, and just like being able for me, specifically being able to let go some of the expectations that maybe others had for us and the futures yes. that they had planned for us. Um and being able to say, you know what, whatever God has has always been greater. And I know it will be. So mm-hmm. um so we haven't been um we haven't been sorry for following yes. this leading And um yeah, just the opportunities that he continues to present and provide for us is just Affirming and Mm -hmm. and peace giving. Yeah. Life giving. Yes.
0: Yes. I'm sure that there was probably a whole mix of emotions in the midst of it all. Like you said, there, unfortunately, you know, there are some people with strong opinions about what ministry has to look like. Mm. And yeah, I'm just sorry that you guys were on the receiving end of people who were seeing ministry in a box because ministry can be. All sorts of things. I mean, we yeah. can ministers in the business world. My the podcast last week was with my friend Ashley, who's working for large global companies. Okay. And, you know, there's just yeah, we can be ministers right in our homes. We can be ministers in hospitals. And so sure. I love that you and your family said we are going to follow God's direction and live into ministry in the way that we feel like he's calling us in this season and sure, yeah. your obedience is bold and brave. And I just want to affirm that in you and appreciate, I just appreciate that about you guys. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But how did you respond to those, the voices of the critics? Oh gosh. <laughs>
1: um, so I'm definitely, I would say I'm more of like a I think more about things after the fact, like I don't have um, maybe like quick reaction skills. Maybe that's why I never played sports, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no. So I think for me, um, yeah, I think I let some of those voices get to me Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes, you know, would make me question, you know, am I doing the right thing? And for me as well, like I, I like to, I like for people to be happy or pleased with my work. And so if I know that I'm doing something that is not going to meet someone else's expectations, or if, you know, a decision that I'm making is not necessarily what they had in mind, like that is something that kind of weighs heavily on me. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, taking that and um, just kind of teaching myself um, to let those things go, like yeah. You know, other other people's expectations, other people's goals and um all of that, like that's not a weight that I should be carrying. Right. Um, um easier said than done. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. But yes, yeah, mm-hmm. it's t- too heavy. So yes,
0: yes. So in that discernment process then and having these critics that were loud and then sifting through that, how did you sift what was the process like or what practices did you utilize to mm-hmm really tune into the voice of God rather than give too much power to these voices of people.
1: Yeah. Um, Definitely, you know, word and prayer. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think having a study and my husband was um, he just graduated from seminary. So he was, of course, reading all of these great texts. And um, he had read a book by, um, oh, Oz Guinness called The Call I don't know if you're familiar with that one, Um, but just talking about, you know, like the calling of the Lord is our initial calling is similar for all of us. Like we're called to follow the Lord. We're called to disciple, you know, nations Um, we're called to love the Lord. Like that is our initial primary calling. And we all have that. And our secondary is like our vocation. Like how do we go about fulfilling that first call? Like what Mm -hmm. gifts and skills and abilities do we have to enable us to do that? So I think having that, um, you know, my husband going through that and like sharing that with me gave me some peace, of course. yeah. Um, And then also being able to um, have those close friends um, that we could speak to that knew us and knew our heart and knew our story and knew that we, you know, love the Lord and um, having them being able to affirm us and pray with us. um, I think that's what gave us the strength that we needed to, you know, kind of forge ahead, even with, and, and I will say that even though there were people who, you know, maybe were against it, um, there weren't as many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, sometimes those voices can be louder, you know, than, oh, yeah. than the other. So for sure. Um,
0: yes. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the voices of critics, even if they're few seem to ta- dominate my brain yeah. space in my yeah. heart space, way yep. more than the affirmers, you know? i yes. I'm like, yep. okay, these people are like good with this, but like, yep. I need to win over the people that, that <laughs> exactly. are good with this.
2: And they I carry need them this to pressure. Agree.
0: Pardon? Yeah. I need them to
1: agree with me. Like, yes, yeah. right.
0: And yet, like you said, that's not our job, you know? Yeah. And that's, and it actually just takes us the the people pleasing and wanting everybody to be on our team can actually distract us from continuing yeah. to move forward with what God has.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So way yeah. to go. Just keep moving yeah. <laughs> and, you know, God can deal with those critics and yeah. and teach them what they need to learn. And I'm sure they're learning as they're observing your path. And I think that's, yeah. that's really exciting that our obedience ends up being contagious, you know? Yeah. 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 So it's, that's exciting for sure. All right, you guys, I need to interrupt this conversation because I had a facepalm moment of my own here. I got so enveloped in the conversation with Sheena that I completely forgot to ask her about her facepalm moment. And I know That's one of our favorite segments of the podcast. I love the facepalm moments. I know you guys do as well. And so I wrote her and said, okay, Sheena, I'm so sorry. I completely spaced the facepalm. And so she sent me a little clip back so that we could include it. So here is Sheena's facepalm moment.
2: Okay, so a facepalm moment. (laughs) I will say that it was hard to choose one because I have a lot of facepalm moments. I am kind of a quirky person, and I say and do a lot of silly things, and I'm okay with that. Uh, but the Faith Paul moment that I want to share with you happened on a Sunday at church, and so I worship at the Salvation Army, so we have a tradition of brass banding, and so I was leading a hymn. Um, don't remember what song it was, but I was on the program to lead it, and the way that it works at the particular church we were worshiping at is that we have a pianist, an organist, and a brass band. And so for this particular hymn, where it was on the program, comes right before when the choir um, songster group gets up to sing. So the practice (laughs) that normally happens is the first two verses are sung by the congregation. Um, The song leader will read the third verse. And then on the fourth verse, The songsters, the um, choir, will make their way up to the stage. Now, I should also put in here the disclaimer that um, we were worshiping at a Salvation Army church that was in Florida, so it was made up of a lot of retired people. So they need that verse to kind of make their way up to the stage, get there safely. It's a transition point for everyone to get there. So that by the time you're done singing that last verse and chorus of the hymn, everyone is in place and ready to start singing the special number for that day. So, I'm the song leader. I, you know, lead us through the first and second verse. Then I pause to read the third verse. And when I finish reading the third verse, I look up and I look over at the band leader, and he's sitting down. And in my brain, I'm thinking, Wait, is the song over? Are we done? Um, and so I proceed to close my hymnal, and I turn and I walk off the stage, not realizing that there's still a fourth verse to sing. And the reason he sat down is because everyone who's in the band, um, who also sings in the choir, has to get into place to sing for the next song. So I leave the stage. There's no one there to finish leading that song, and I think someone else ended up coming from the congregation to the microphone. I don't know if it was our pastor or someone else who just, like, came in and filled in the gap. So they had to get up there and finish the rest of the song. The songsters, of course, made their way to the stage, and the pianist and organists continued to play and accompany the singing. But um, I did not hear the end of that for a really long time and felt really silly Definitely a facepalm moment, um, but now, (laughs) moving forward, I will make sure that I know what the plan is so that, you know, if I'm leading a song or leading people, that kind of thing doesn't happen again. Uh, But yes, the story of the missing song leader, that was the facepalm moment.
0: (laughs) Okay, so you've mentioned some things about people-pleasing and a little bit of, like, underlying perfectionism stuff. So... What has been your relationship with perfectionism and people-pleasing in your life in general? And and you can kind of share whatever stories or things come to mind.
1: Yeah, of course. So um, I'm a one on the Enneagram. Okay, me too. (laughs) I feel like that says a lot. And then I think I'm discovering too, like I've always known that acts of service has been a huge love language for me, but I think words of affirmation as well. So like having like this desire to be seen as good, to be seen as doing what's right, Mm -hmm. um, as well as wanting to hear from others, like you're doing a great job. Um, I think a lot of that has kind of pushed me into the the realm of perfectionism. Mm Um, yeah, just um wanting yeah, wanting to be seen as good and as doing well, and so that's a lot of pressure, yeah, <laughs> and so I just remember like being in school even and trying really hard to make good grades because if I would get not a good grade or if my teacher would make a comment on my paper, like I just remember it cut me so deeply, yes, and it could be something silly, like you know, you got a couple of points off or what whatever, something silly that, you know, a mistake that I could correct and it would be fine the next time, but like cutting me so deeply to the point where, you know, I would have like even then like performance anxiety after that. Cause like, I didn't want to mess up. Yeah. Um, and so I think that kind of spirit for a long time, like would keep me from doing things that I didn't know that I would be 100% absolutely perfect at. Like mm-hmm. if I didn't know that I was going to be the best like I didn't even want to try. I didn't even want to put myself out there to be exposed to any kind of disappointment or like missing the mark or, um, and yeah. Yes. (laughs) You are like speaking my language. I'm like, um,
0: have you like read my journal? Because I'm pretty (laughs) sure this is exactly how I feel. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But just like, yeah, a very limiting, like debilitating fear of not getting it right. So just not even wanting to try at all. Um, And I feel like in the last couple of years, like that spirit has been starting to lift. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I want to say it's having the right people in my corner people who know me and are able to encourage me. Um, But I think also, um, you know, being in this role of counselor and I, you know, recently got to work um, in a private practice as well. And just like hearing some of the advice that I'm sitting on the couch giving to other people, (laughs) yeah, <laughs> like you should take that advice as well, yeah, um, but I remember one session for myself in particular, and I thought I just felt like i I was having so much anxiety to the point of you know it was triggering like my stomach to be upset constantly and hurt, and like it was just really starting to affect me physically. So I remember sitting in um, on the therapist couch and just telling her that I have all this anxiety about doing things wrong and not, you know, meeting the mark. And, you know, my employees are going to think that, you know, why did they send this person here? They're not a good leader They're, you know, and I'll never forget. She sat across from me and she said, well, like, have you ever dropped the ball? Like, is anyone telling you that you're not doing a good job? Like, have you ever not delivered on an assignment? And I sit there and I'm like, well, no, like that hasn't happened. And no one said those things and I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. And so it was like this, um, I don't know, like eye opening, um, moment where I realized like, I think I'm doing really poorly. And the, the reality is like, I'm doing everything I'm, I'm doing my best. Right. And that's what we can do is do our best. Um, but that started like this journey for me of like, doing my best and releasing everything else. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I can't hold myself to this impossible standard of perfection because yeah. you know, it was physically, not even like mentally and, and spiritually, but like physically starting to make me sick. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of starting this journey of freedom from that idea mm-hmm. of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the, the things that have been helpful for you have been counseling yeah. And people in your corner, good, yep. great community, good friends, time with Jesus. Yeah. Um. Anything else?
1: Um, I think um, reminding myself too that, you know, you probably heard, we've all heard people say like, life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Right. Um, but not comparing myself to where other people are in their journey. Yeah. Um, and letting myself know like it's okay to have goals. Um, but I'm not on a specific timeline. And yeah. I shouldn't be because like it's you know, things in life happen and if we remain fluid and flexible, like there's so much more, and not to the point of like procrastination, because I can do that as well. Me too. <laughs> but just like, okay, here's what I feel like I want to accomplish. And as long as I'm like continuing to make steps to get there, then I'm doing okay. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I like that because I can procrastinate because I don't want to fail. So then I just don't want to do something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like, but then once I started, then sometimes like, especially in college, I'd procrastinate, procrastinate because I did, I wanted to do it well, but then I had a time crunch and then I have the perfectionism. So I'm like. <laughs> Gosh, wanting to hold myself to this high standard with a very limited amount of time, that was no good. No No, good. So, I appreciate what you're saying like having the goal and having a steady, constant journey toward the goal. Mm -hmm. So, we're not procrastinating, but we're also not like holding ourselves each day to something that is too big for that day.
1: Too big. So, progress over perfection. Like, am I taking steps forward? Am I moving toward it? if I am, then I'm doing good. Like I'm not standing still. (laughs) I'm not procrastinating. I'm not like, but yeah. Right. Yes. We're walking. We're
0: not like sprinting like crazy, but we're also (laughs) not on the couch. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's helpful. I will remember that for sure. Yes. So in your time with Jesus, what does that look like? Because I think sometimes, you know, we can talk about spending time with God and being in the word, but For some, for some of us, like that can be kind of daunting or
1: confusing
0: if we open the Bible and go, Oh, what do we do? So what would you, what does that look like for you each day?
1: Yeah. Um, so it can look different. I honestly, I think I've had like a lot of different seasons. Like sometimes I will have a prayer journal or I will, you know, write everything down. Um, other times, like I maybe focus a little bit more hardcore into study. So I'll mm-hmm. have, you know, the text that I have and I'll have more time where I can, you know, do some like commentary and some, yeah. um, um, like the Strong's Concordance. Mm-hmm. I really like to nerd out on, mm-hmm. <laughs> on those mm-hmm. things. I know so, you just graduated from, you got your MDiv, right? So. I did.
0: Yes. <laughs> I love that stuff. But for people that aren't super familiar with it, tell yes. tell us, tell them about the Strong's Concordance.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, So I actually use the um, blueletterbible.com. Yes. um, And they have an app for that. But for me, I like to know, like, what are the root words and what did they really mean? Because, you know, our text is translated to English, which is translated from another language. And so, like, what did that word mean specifically in some of, like, the cultural context as well? So I can know, you know, inductively, like, what did the text say? What does it mean? What did it mean in that time? And, like, how can we apply that to our day right now? Um, so sometimes I'll do that. And then, um, other times I might read a devotional. So it just, honestly, it just depends on like the season that I'm in and, um, yeah, I guess where I'm leaning, um, or where I need, um, more of the Lord. And I appreciate too, that your
0: devotional life and your time with God looks (laughs) different because sometimes I, and maybe this is just a me thing, but I can get really focused on this is how I do it. And this is how I feel like I need to meet with God. And this is what I do. This is my like, and it can turn into a checklist or like very much an in the box thing. But by you saying that yours, you, the way that you connect with God shifts and is different in different seasons, that just shows a great responsiveness to the spirit rather than feeling like it is a checklist. And so I love that. And I just encourage everyone listening to know that you can have fluidity in the ways that you are connecting with God. And it can look different depending on what God is doing and how the season that you're in, um, it can look like going on a walk or it can look like, you know, praying and doing your reading before bed, or sometimes morning will work better. I mean, it just, God is not obsessed with it being the same all the time. He just
1: wants to meet with us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that too, of like, definitely having that, uh, it has to look a certain way. Like I need to be sitting at my dining room table. I need to have my book open. I have to read a chapter or three chapters a day with my cup of coffee and like, and then if I didn't get to do that, like I would just feel so guilty, you know? So I had to take the approach of like, okay, what time do I have? Um, where can I, and it doesn't have to always be in the morning. Like it might be in my car and my drive to work. It might be over my lunch break, you know, it might be, but yeah. I guess having the goal <laughs> and doing the progress, like how yes. am I, how am I getting there? Yeah. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. That's really good. So, okay. Shifting gears a little bit. I'm curious what, especially in the cultural moment that we're in, what breaks your heart?
1: Mm. Yes. Um, so I, you know, I live in the state of Texas. So um, of course we've all been attuned to what's been happening in the news and, um, the families that of course lost their children. Um, but I guess what breaks my heart, um, of course, you know, the families who have lost their loved ones and, you know, the children that are left behind and, um, have to relive those, those moments and the teachers as well and the families. But I think what breaks my heart is that, you know, in when things like this happen, you know, we live in a nation where, I think things have, we've allowed maybe politics to overrule um, our hearts and in our lives to, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a point where, I don't know, I guess people don't have the space to be able to grieve injustice or to be able to grieve. um, Yeah, when things go wrong, because there's more, what what should my response be to this based on what, you know, political affiliation I subscribe to you know right
0: um yeah and I think that connects with what we talked about earlier about being having the ministry of presence mm. that right now like what we can do is be present in the grief yeah present in the lament and and instead of like jumping to what does my political ideology tell me to do about this? Like, let's just mm. and then sit with others in it too. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think sometimes as well with like perfectionism and people pleasing, we feel like we can't be sad or we uh, feel like yeah. we can't be- um,
1: We can't be too sad for too long or- yeah, yeah. right.
0: And, and not, not that we, as, you know, as, as Jesus followers, we want to be swept up in hope, but mm, at the same time, course. it's okay to grieve. And yeah. I think it can be a both and.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. yeah. So being aware of how to be present to ourselves mm-hmm. and present for our communities and our families and the people right where we are in the in the in the moment, instead of just jumping to yeah. a conclusion that we feel like we have to jump to because of politics. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a hard, complicated time right it now. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. So we just need Jesus's help. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: So Sheena, you are, you have your hands in all sorts of things, which think is <laughs> really fun. I mean, we've gotten to hear about your uh, vocational work, but then also you are a speaker. You're a worship leader and song or your songwriter too is that right yeah <laughs> yes. so tell us about those things
1: speaking in music and how how you're involved in those areas yeah um well speaking you know um not anything I ever thought that I would do actually i re- i remember being uh I think like 15 or 16 and being asked to speak speak on a youth Sunday and thinking like, why in the world would they ask me? <laughs> and I think I spoke for like eight minutes and then got off the stage and just felt like so embarrassed and just, I don't know.
2: Mm-hmm. Anyway.
1: So like fast forward to being in ministry. Um, I just felt like the, the Lord and being able to speak the word that the Lord, you know, laid on my heart um, and brought a life through scripture, like that kind of, brought about this passion for speaking and not necessarily just speaking to speak, but, um, yeah, I think for me being able to study scripture first and get excited about it and the hope that it has for us and the challenge, and then being able to present that, I think that's kind of an area where it more, it found me rather than I, you know, um, and so, and then just having people kind of affirm that and, and, and encourage me in that, that kind of led me to the women's speaker collective and and being a part of that. And then, um, yeah, always being involved in music in my church, whether that be like singing in the the youth chorus or leading worship. And then in the pandemic, just having more time at home with my son, being able to spend like at the piano with my devotion time or with my guitar. And, Mm -hmm. you know, these songs would just, um, kind of come out of worship and, um, moments of like confession and reflection and Mm -hmm. um just wanting to to praise the lord for his faithfulness for his grace and his mercy and yeah so that's where where those were born out of Mm -hmm. and so
0: yeah that's awesome so where can people learn more about your speaking (laughs) and your music
1: Yeah. So I am starting (laughs) to, I have a website. I haven't pointed many people to it yet because that perfectionism here, it's not done. It's not ready, but I'm sure (laughs) it's fine. But yeah, SheenaMarcos.com. And then um, the music I actually recorded and still being um, processed through. um, So, you know, I'm blessed that you know, I worship at the salvation army. And of course we have this territory with lots of resources and they actually produce the the album, the EP. Um, and so hopefully that'll be released. I'm hoping this year. Um, so as soon as I have, yeah, as soon as I have a date, you know, I'll try to push that on website and social media, but, um, yeah, just excited to, um, yeah, just share what has been on my heart and Mm -hmm. that it blesses somebody else. And yeah.
0: That's awesome. Oh, yay. I'm excited to hear it. (laughs) That's so great. And Instagram, how can people connect with you on Instagram?
1: Okay. Yes. So you probably notice I'm like, I made a new one Yeah. because now that I'm going to be doing counseling, like I, you know, just want to be able to have like my family and that stuff separate. So I'll probably make my first one private and then I'll do more of like the more public stuff on the other one. So you can find me on Instagram, Sheena J Marquis, M-A-R-Q-U-I-S. Okay. Um, and yeah, I'll have to get active on there. (laughs) Yay! That's exciting.
0: (laughs) Yes. Good. Well, Sheena, is there anything else that you wanted to share with us today that you had on your heart before we finish
1: our time together? Just going back to it being like this debilitating limiting thing. Mm -hmm. Um, when we talk about perfection and I was actually like doing some scripture study as well, like just seeing, you know, in the Greek and Hebrew, like perfection actually being complete, um, and reading like in Hebrews that, you know, um, like the Lord is the one who makes us perfect, who makes us complete, mm-hmm. and so it's not about having everything right, but being connected to the one who can make us righteous. Yay. And so, oh that's good. And so, yeah, just like not allowing the fear of not getting everything right keep you from living in obedience. Um, and I think it's more about being faithful to what God is calling us to rather than getting everything right. Because even in the midst of not getting everything right, like there is testimony there, there's lessons there, there's experience that like we can, that the Lord can use. Um, and so I think if we allow the fear of getting everything right and perfect to keep us from doing anything at all, like, um, I don't know, I, this, we limit what God can do and, um, what he can, use us for and how we can even encourage others even in our mistakes you know mm-hmm. um so yeah just being faithful and being obedient and if you don't um know what to do um just do the next right thing right
0: <laughs> yes <yeah. laughs> anna from frozen i it. know yeah. <laughs> yeah that's amazing such good reminders yes well thank you so much Sheena, for your time and for sharing with us today i'm just so grateful and i know that that your words and your story and your obedience will, like we said earlier, will, will be contagious that God uses our obedience, your obedience today to inspire others to keep on saying yeah. yes in the process. And so thank you for, for all that you poured into us today. I appreciate you yeah. so much. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate Sheena so much for the ways that she just thoughtfully walked us through some of the pieces of her journey and encouraged us as we think about our own life story and about obedience to God and stepping into unknown times and territories and also making tough decisions. And she just shared with so much grace and, and vulnerability. And I'm encouraged and I hope that you are too. But as we're processing this, I would just love to summarize our conversation with these key takeaways. Number one, your next step in serving others may likely be being present for the people who are already in your sphere of influence. Number two, so often we focus on the ministry of doing, but God is also inviting us to focus on the ministry of being. We talked a lot about that ministry of presence. Number three, when making difficult or weighty decisions, it's important to let go of others' expectations for your life and your future. This isn't to, you know, not consult friends or family and wise counsel. We need that, but we also need to not be dominated by other people's expectations for our future. Number four, it's not our job to win over our critics. It's not. Let's not focus our time on that. Number five, obedience is contagious. When others see you saying yes to Jesus, even in tough decisions and leaning on God's grace, it will inspire them to do the same. Number six, trade perfectionism for this mentality do your best and then release everything else. Number seven, When it comes to your goals, consistently take steps forward. You don't necessarily need to sprint, but also don't give in to procrastination and just sit on the couch. Number eight, our focus should not be on having everything right. Our focus should be about being connected to the one who is righteous. Number nine. In the midst of not getting everything right, there is a testimony there, and God can use those experiences. And number 10, when we are thinking about the trajectory of our lives, let's think about what is the next right thing. And then here are today's prayer prompts. Number one, Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says this. People are trapped by their fear of others, but those who trust the Lord are secure. And I would encourage you to just take a couple of minutes to process that. Once again, that's Proverbs twenty nine twenty five. People are trapped by their fear of others, but those who trust the Lord are secure. So maybe journal or sit in silence. Or read that several times and allow for God to speak to you through that particular scripture. And then number two, as you are in conversation with God, ask yourself these questions and ask God to inform your responses with God's perspectives. Here are the questions. Where am I tempted to procrastinate when God is calling me to action, but then where am I tempted to run when God is calling me to walk? I'd love for you to process those questions with God. Once again, I'm so thankful for Sheena and all that she shared with us today. And if you are interested in connecting with her, you can get on her website, which she mentioned earlier, which is Sheena Marquis, which is dot com. Or you can find her on Instagram at Sheena J. Marquis. And I can put all this in the show notes for you as well. Before we close today, I just have a couple little things that I wanted to ask of you. I'm so thankful for this podcast community. So grateful to be linking arms and journeying with you as we pursue wholeness in Jesus and ditch perfection. And so if this podcast has been helpful for you, I would love for you to share this with a friend. There are a lot of us out there who struggle with striving and finding our identity and our performance and people-pleasing, and so share this with others that that may find it beneficial. And then also, I would greatly appreciate it if you would just take a few minutes to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. I love and appreciate your feedback and would greatly appreciate if you just take, took a few minutes to do that for me as well. And actually, it probably won't even take a few minutes. It probably would take you like 30 seconds. So. I would love it if you would do that for me. Thank you so much. And then finally, looking forward, my husband, Mike, will be here next week on the podcast. He and I are going to talk about some quirks in our in our family. We're going to talk about some of his journey. And we're also going to talk about, from his perspective, what it's like to be married to a perfectionist. He is such a gift in my life in so many ways. And he brings a lot of balance and has so much wisdom for people that struggle with perfectionism because he shares the wisdom with me every day (laughs) so I can't wait for you to hear from my sweet wonderful husband Mike so with all that said oh so grateful for you thankful that you joined us today and uh, I just look forward to connecting with you same time same place next week